We got Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. No, you're saying it right. You do it so Jeffrey well. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> now you now we've interviewed you several times. You're one of our favorite guests oh. to have on the show. There's such a lovely, calming uh, energy about you. Thank you, Valium. Is it Valium? Yeah. Okay, well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> now, you just handed me a piece of quartz or a piece of something. Pyrite. No, pyrite, my pyrite. love. Pyrite. Yes, it is a very, it's a very grounding stone. Okay. Um, what, is there a, a pyrong? Is there a pyrong? <laughs> you can only pyrite. It's only pyrite. I don't think there's any yeah. wrong way to do it. No. Yeah. yeah. And then I also have my tuning fork here. Now, which what's is, the significance wait, of, of that? So do you remember, the, okay, so the first time that you that we ever had a conversation on What's the Tea, we talked about my spiritual practices. Yes. About how I practice Nichiren Buddhism and chanting the vibration frequency of nam myoho renge kyo yeah. it's the same vibrational frequency of all that is in the universe essentially Absolutely. it's how I choose to raise my vibrational frequency yeah. me and Tina Turner uh-huh. you know so I'm in some uh-huh. good company yeah. this tuning fork um, you hit it and it's this it like emits the same frequency as ohm uh-huh. the vibrational frequency of ohm mm-hmm. I haven't seen him and he I run into him today waiting here to come into the podcast yeah. and he runs up to me he's like did I do this to you I go what are you talking about he shoves his tuning fork in my face uh-huh. he clobbers it with a mallet and then yeah. shoves it on my chest I'm like Jeffrey what are you doing he's you like loved it. this is ohm it and was I was like uh-huh. Uh-huh. oh okay it wasn't consensual I'll talk to you in a minute be right back gotta pee did you was, like it though yeah I, I did like it that. do you want to hear it do you yes, can, yes. Hear it? can I put it on you can yes you feel please it? put it inside of me I'm gonna do it again can you hear that kids yeah Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Yep, I'm center. I can I've connected with the source right now. You That's are, it. You are spiritually enlightened. I am spiritually enlightened. I love it. That's so good. That is the source right there. That's it. And you know, I talk about this a lot when I tell you talk about frequencies and talk about the rhythm of life and yes. how you how when you meditate, you find that center space, that grounding space. Yeah. That feeling of that uh uh tuning, tuning fork. fork on my chest. Yeah. That is the grounding frequency that runs through each of us. And That's you, exactly it, the frequency of love, yeah. essentially. Do you yeah. walk around with it and just... No, I mean, uh, you know, I have little things that I bring with me mm-hmm. out into the world, like little crystals or totems, pieces that I bring with me, um, sprays, oils, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just I'm so sensitive. I just need things to keep me grounded. So when do you use that? In the morning, in the morning, uh, before or after I meditate, I'll just have it sitting on my altar and I'll sit and just, you know, do a little... Uh, I'll touch it to my chest, to my third eye, to my crown chakra, and then just kind of run it over my body as well. Whether or not it's psychosomatic, I feel like it works for me. No, 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 no. No, we are all creators. There's no, you know, you create the world. Life says, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Use me. Use me. That is my prayer. Yeah. To be used for a purpose greater than myself. And in order to do that, you know, I genuinely feel like I have to get get to a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually where um, I am in tune with that vibrational frequency of love so I can really hear the messages of my own intuition to know where to go, to know how to be used. It's the universe is stage direction you have to be you have to clear a space in your consciousness for the universe to speak and to be used yeah. to be used yeah. when did you when were you first introduced to this way of of this consciousness um, when I was about 22 years old I read how this book how old are book, you now 30, Jeffrey 34 34 my answer to that question is usually grown I'm grown <laughs> you are grown <laughs> you're 34 old years enough to old. know yeah. better yeah okay. exactly when I was about 22 I, wrote, I read this book by uh, uh, an author named Sanaya Roman 
that was called Living with Joy. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was a different language that I had never really been familiar with, but one that just really resonated with me on a, on like on a soul level. Were you mm. troubled before it? Did you need it? Was it given to you in a oh, time that you needed it? Yeah. I mean, all through my, through, you know, it didn't, it, was, it wasn't until my 20s that I really realized that I had spent my entire childhood and all of my formative years just riddled with anxiety and riddled with depression. And um, I didn't really know any different. Mm. And so as soon as I found something different, something that, that made me feel lighter and better and really truly just gave me access to accepting and loving the person that I am just as I am, mm. um, it shifted everything for me. So once I read that book, Living with Joy, I feel like it just kind of like kept the ball rolling for me. I just started finding more and more literature around spirituality and self-love and consciousness and self-awareness. And once you wake up, there's no going back. There's sleep. no going back. No. And were you in Canada at this time? Yeah, I was living in Vancouver at this time. In Canada. In Canada. Yeah. Yeah, I was in still Vancouver. modeling. Yeah, I was still modeling and I was still, you know, just about to step into the world of acting, but... Not in Calgary. Not in Calgary. Uh-huh. You're not Vancouver. Get over that, no, never. <laughs> oh, because you, are you originally from Calgary? I lived in Calgary as a, as a kid, from like three years old to six years Don't old. Don't you remember this three conversation? I've never. He's Canadian. He says, we say Calgary. We say it yeah, phonetically, say but that's how it's spelled, Michelle. Calgary. C-A-L-G-A-R-Y. Yeah, which is also Calgary. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, Jeffrey. It's, that's not the way to say it. Calgary. It's Calgary. Cal- one you, of us. He says Calgary. But you're not the I only like one. I Calgary. Because I was in Calgary recently. Yeah. And Why? people... I did um, Pride. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did you Grand Marshal? N- no, I was at a club. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know me, I was Close in the bathroom. Enough. Close um, enough. Yeah. And in Calgary, yeah. in um, Alberta, mm. they there were a few people that said Calgary and a few people that said Calgary. So he said, what? I said, what did you just say? Uh-huh. He said, Calgary. I said, mm. no. And then I spoke to some other people. I said, my friend says Calgary. Said, That's so yeah, funny. You are hilarious. So where that is, Calgary, it's in Alberta, which they kind of call the Texas of the North. And me being like a queer person of color growing up, I was adopted and was raised there. I was very much always the odd one out. But very often I felt like I was um, under threat. I was always in a state of self-protection. I was always in a state of, of um, you know, knowing that, um, that I was – constantly being othered and that people, it made people uncomfortable. Mm. So I felt so out of control with everything around me that I really just tried to find the things that I could control in my own life. And, and you know, the, I found some really healthy outlets and I found some really unhealthy outlets. The unhealthy ones, you know, I suffered from a pretty sad and isolating eating disorder all through, mm. through my teens and early 20s. But once I discovered spirituality, the mm-hmm. world of spirituality and self-love, um, it's... Hmm. I guess it just granted me access to a deeper part of myself where I no longer had to make um, self-damaging, hurtful choices to myself to feel okay. Yeah, but you know, know what, having gone through that, that's when you can earn the the the, the ability to overcome it. You know, yes. a lot of times the darkest. Uh, things that we go through uh, enable us to find the light, you know? I wouldn't be who I am if it weren't for those times in my life. Were you adopted by white folks? By white folk. You yeah. Were, so you yeah, were. my father is biracial. He's, you know, black like me, but my uh, they divorced when I was three, so I was raised primarily by my mama and her wife. In Calgary. Mother. In Rimby, Alberta, which is a little town of like 2,000 Rimby. people. If that's not of, the gayest yeah, name. like an hour, an hour Outside, or so yeah. away from Calgary. Actually, every time you say Calgary, I think of George is from, uh, uh, was born, actually born in Calgary. Calgary, Australia. Australia. Yeah, Calgary. Amazing. Yeah, but um, right. So um, you were you were adopted. Do you have, do you, have you ever had the desire to find your biologicals? We, I mean, we have talked about this before. I know, and but last you time, know, I'm no, older. A little, a little I'm older, and a lot of times so I don't. 
remember. I don't, I don't remember. And there are people out there who haven't heard your story. That's so true. I'm being devil's well, advocate. Well, too. after our first conversation on what's the tea, you had asked me that, and I hadn't. I'd only met two or three of my potentially 15 siblings but in the past couple of years since since that sounds like math is a lot i've met three of my siblings and apparently there's like 15 of us but since then from the same mother and father same father nine different women apparently but i have dad got around yeah Yeah. Yeah. is he Uh, rastafarian he's jamaican from jamaica from like kingston oh how did a kingston man get to Girl, Calgary. I don't even know. I don't know his maybe story. He, he migrated, attendant. maybe. He migrated. He went from, from he went Kingston from to Florida to, to Canada. But anyway, since since that time, since our first conversation on what's the tea, I have met my biological mother, and you were a huge support for me during that time. Is um, she a white lady? She is, yeah. I'm biracial. My my you know what? And I did the tw- so this is how I found her. After okay. years of like like I hired a private investigator to try mm-hmm. to find uh-huh. her. I had my family members who were working for the government try to find her. Nothing for a decade. And yeah. then all of a sudden I spit in a tube, do my yep. 23andMe and and Boom. she pops up. Boom. Out of nowhere. Wait, did it come up as, this is your mother? No, it was uh, the, like cousins, like distant cousins, but they had the same surname as her. So I reached out to them and said, do you know this woman? And uh-huh. they happened to. The most disappointing part, and no shade, a little bit of shade, about 23andMe was that, do you remember Ava DuVernay? So yeah, She yeah. didn't want to do her ancestry in fear of being ma- majority white. Oh, yeah. my God. Girl, I am 51.6% white, oh. and I was shook. Really? I was shook. Wait, you be? What? Wouldn't you be? No, no, I know. It's all kind of abstract. You know, I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but I guess growing up in, in an environment where my otherness, my blackness, my queerness was kind of used as a weapon against me, and I yeah. really had to learn uh, to embrace and love and accept those parts of me, and my blackness is my favorite part about well, me. Don't, my queerness is my favorite away. part about me, yeah. and I know nothing takes it away. But yeah. it, just kind of like, it just kind of shook me my, you know, my yeah. own perception of myself. Right, yeah. Well, even uh, what we're talking about with the spirituality, and the, that really does shake your perception of yours. It shakes your perception of the whole world. Mm. And, you know, if you want to begin a spiritual journey, you have to be prepared for your whole belief system to be deconstructed yes. so that it can be rebuilt. And that yes. is the dying of the old self and the rebirth of the new, better self. And yes. you have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. Well, Michelle and I were just talking about this in some capacity earlier this morning. So, so Michelle and I are huge believers and huge, uh, you know, uh, 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 champions of manifestation, of intention setting, goal setting, visualization, and manifestation, creating your own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infinite Possibilities is a mm-hmm. book that you and I both love by you Mike You gave Dooley. me it, yes. I did give you that book. And, and I read it and worked on it and worked on it and still work on it. It's by my bed. I read bits of it every it's night. It's my Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 philosophy behind it essentially is is um, just, you know, uh, uh, having an end goal in mind. So many of us in life have no idea how to get to where we want to get to because mm-hmm. we don't actually have an end goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of like your internal GPS. So we use our emotions and our feelings as, you know, uh, the, the, the thing that is going to lead us and guide us on our path. But unless mm-hmm. you have an end goal in mind, mm-hmm. like if you get in your car, the car's not going to tell you where to go until right. you put the address in the GPS. GPS. That's so, right. so yeah. that's so that's what you know. That's what Mike's Dooley, Mike Dooley's philosophy is really about. But you and I were talking about manifestation and how we have certain blocks. It's so easy for us to yeah. manifest certain things in yeah. certain areas, and it's so challenging in others. And I'm working through this this program right now. It's about um, uh, uh, like kind of from a spiritual and psychological standpoint, um, going back and uh, challenging your subconscious beliefs, the reasons why I feel like I'm unable to achieve certain things in my life or manifest them as easily as others is because a certain part of me believes 
that I'm not worthy of it. Yeah, yeah we've talked yeah. about this yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and until I undo those blocks and start telling myself a different story, I don't think that flow is going to come. Well, I'll, I'll even challenge you here. Uh, undoing the blocks—that's easier said. Uh, why are the blocks there? Why have you kept those blocks there? And what payoff are you getting from those blocks? That's the real question here. You know, I always think about um, certain belief systems in our culture. Like, why is the sort of weird uh, fantasy story? The prevailing story that people mm. stick with, mm. it's because they're they're getting some payoff from that, mm. and it will prevail unless you're willing to uh, um, let go of whatever payoff you're getting from that storyline. I think I a lot of times this. people don't have. I'm speaking for me, yeah. and I can only speak for yeah. the people that can relate, and maybe you too, Jeffrey. Is that sometimes we don't know how to let go, so we have to get to it and then go. You know, saying and making a declaration that uh, I'm ready to let go now mm -hmm. sometimes doesn't really mean we're letting go. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think learning how to let go to remove those blocks. I know I got a lot of fucking blocks. And I know. And that's why I think you and, and both being adopted kids, I yeah. think we both have issues in the same space of our lives. And it was, you know, infused to us when we in vitro, that's when we were in the womb. Not wanted mm -hmm. in the womb yeah. is a really big oh, deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know. I'm not yeah. holding on to anything from it because I had the, the most incredible parents who did anything for me. me. So consciously and cognitively, I have no need to hold on to any fucking yeah. blocks to say, well, was me, I wasn't wanted. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they stay there. Well, but you, you know, that it's a mode of operation that you're used to. It feels like home to be the one who is le left out. Remember when the, the Joan Rivers documentary uh, that came out and she, she was still, and this woman had uh, like $150 million, but yeah. she was still being motivated by this idea that she was not wanted and that if there's if there wasn't a, a gig on this date, mm. that meant the death she of her. Failing, mm. So yeah. she was she was being propelled or being motivated by the old wet thing that motivated her from early in her career mm -hmm. into still as as a mm -hmm. an, as a, a super successful adult. So my my point is most people cannot uh, switch over into the present yeah. motivation. Yeah. They want to use the old school motivation. I do it. I do it when I wake up in the morning and I'll, I'll have a thought and it's the same old thought every day and I go, oh God, there's that thought. So the, what do you do? The solution is recognizing that you've made the thought. Being present, go, oh, I'm doing the thing again. You, darkness, darkness cannot survive in the presence of Bud Light. I mean, oh, you're no. Did I say that? I meant, what no, about I meant, Corona Light? I meant, uh, Light? I meant no. Judith Light, actually. <laughs> uh, once, once you are aware of it, yeah. that is the solution right there. True. Then, and you can undo it in that moment, yep, in absolutely. the present. Absolutely. How? Letting letting go of thoughts that no longer serve us, I mm -hmm. think, are, are is key and, and is key to transformation. This is the Joan River story, like you were saying, or just thinking of my own story, the, some of the beliefs that I'm holding and the things that, that, I, that I'm holding onto subconsciously that I know are holding me back. Mm. It's not the adult me that is consciously yeah. believing these things. It's, no. the, it's the inner child. It's that yeah, baby. It's that little baby inside yeah. of me that needs some attention. Needs, yeah. you know, I mean, I've consciously gone back and done meditations where I've gone back and through some of the, the cha most challenging times in my life throughout my childhood and just gone as adult Jeffrey and picked up that little kid Jeffrey yeah. and just held him and said, I love you, baby. It's okay. I love you no matter what. And well, that's that's what the book Toxic huh. Parents talks about. Now, but, but Michelle, you were saying, but how? And how? I, yeah. I, I said that is just recognizing it is the solution. Just being bringing yourself present is the solution. Now, this this child thing yeah. in uh, Susan, Dr. Susan Forward's book Toxic Parents, mm. she walks the reader through 
the way to update that storyline, that mm. old storyline of the kid. You you write a series of letters that don't have to be mailed, don't have to be given. You can burn them, you can shred them after you write them, but you have to get it out. But basically, you are you have to have a conversation with that kid and say to that kid, yes, your parents were not able to be a parent to you the way they should have. Mm. I acknowledge it, but I'm an adult now, and kiddo, I'm talking to the kid and me right now, mm. kiddo, I, you can count on me. Mm-hmm. I am going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recognize you. I'm not going to ignore you. When you're hungry, when you're lonely, angry, or tired, I'm going to recognize it, and I'm going to see to you. And you, it's it's about building trust with that kid, because that kid doesn't trust you. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about your all, inner the, child. all your inner yeah. child. Yeah. That yeah. kid does not trust you. So that's why the kid will act out and will will go uh, down to the truck stop with a ass greased up and <laughs> say, anybody? <laughs> want to ride or go to the <laughs> vending machine and buy some and buy Snickers. some Cheetos or yes. them fiery, what did you just call them? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. you buy them fiery buy them fiery <laughs> Cheetos hot, and just fi- take all them hot, crunchy flaming right hot up, up my your ass. butt <laughs> all those unhealthy things <clears throat> yeah. that you think yeah. and you wake up the next day with your the ring of your ass burning you think yeah. flaming old yeah. why did I do that because when you wake up from it you say oh that was that child inside yeah. of you yeah. acting out saying yeah. yeah I hate you I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. you know so I've had entire relationships that have been run with my inner child sure. like, know, running the show we it wants to see it for what it is I think a lot oh, of times when Lord. you're in abusive relationships emotionally or, abusive even yes when I say that I mean it's a general you, yeah. you, how about let's even use the term imbalanced mm. where it's just the energies were off and one was mm. more powerful than the other in all different ways mm-hmm. um, it's because of that inner child that's right. running that relationship and right. not you being present yeah because you being present know better yeah. And you wouldn't put absolutely. up with it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But the it inner matter, child. It's a matter of self-worth. Of right? Well, but again, it's creating a, a relationship with that kid. And it takes practice because it, it takes a long time for that kid to trust you again, to yeah. trust mm. a parent again. So we need uh, to start know. getting on that. Yeah. No. So that's that's the key. But, you know, these spiritual practices are very, very valuable. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know I, I'm a living witness that if you take the time, you know, I, I stepped away from show business for about. Four years. I, I mean, I did. I did. I worked here and there. I was able to pay the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. But I needed to take time to actually get back in touch with what, what, what we could get me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Why I was doing this. I remember when I got in the show business. I thought I'd become famous, and the whole world would say we love you. And guess what? That actually happened. Mm. But nothing changed. Right. I still felt <laughs> crazy. It was still, still the same old. Still bro. the same old me. Yeah. It didn't work from the outside in. Mm. It had to work. Let the church say amen from the inside out. Amen. amen. It is an inside job, and I feel like in this day and age we were living in with the you know social media obsession, the Kardashian obsession. Everyone's trying to work from the opposite from the outside in and it ain't gonna work no yeah. because what they're seeing is just external bullshit precisely they're seeing money and I get it we all love money but let me tell you something at the end of the day money makes let me tell you something money's great I, I wouldn't have to worry about my kids going to college I wouldn't have to worry about bills but at the end of the day money can't save your ass yeah it's true money can't clear it's your a, conscience it's not money can't save your soul. exactly it's not gonna save your soul can I ask you though you asked me when, when I first stepped into this world of spirituality because as far as I know you have been delivering the same sermon the same message, the same like core message for mm-hmm. f- for as long as I've known who you are. I mean, mm-hmm. when even looking back at old interviews of you, you, uh, you know, uh, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Uh, everybody say love. Everybody say love. It's mm-hmm. all like young, young. Mm-hmm. Rue was this was this was your message. Where yeah. did this come from? Well, um, I was I always 
felt like the little boy who fell to earth. And I always mm-hmm. felt like um, I wanted to break the fourth wall with people and go, um, is this kind of an illusion for you? And no one would break character. I'm speaking in metaphors here, people. And uh, so I was a seeker. And uh, I would read the, and I grew up in the 70s, so all those self-help books, oh, yeah, I'm okay, you're okay, this one is that, all that stuff was happening then, it was a big thing then, and uh, so I read all those books, and I was I was always a seeker. My mother was, uh, would read the Bible every day, she was not, she did not go to church, mm. she did not trust organized religion. That was her religion. way to do it. That mm. was her way to do yeah. it. Mm. But so I always grew up with a sense of spirituality and a sense that there is an answer. Did she pray with you? Oh, yeah, sure, I and I still I pray to this day. Um, do I pray to God? I don't know. I don't know what I pray to. I just know I'm praying to something greater than myself. Every day. Yeah, me every day. Too, me too, every day. So long story long is um, a lot of those things that actually all of those things that I say, everybody say love. You got you can't love yourself unless you those it looks like I'm saying that to all of you guys. I'm actually saying it to myself. Mm. It's a mantra that I have to keep repeating, mm. like pinching myself to go, remember, Rue, remember, this is all a dream <laughs> and don't take it too seriously. I have to constantly say those things out loud mm. to keep myself on track. Otherwise, oh my God, if I took this world at face value and I get really depressed from time to time, Me if too, I'm, right. I like to work so I, so I don't have to pay attention to so much of it, yeah. uh, you know, if I did the, the thing, I would just be a, a, a you know a ball of jelly in the corner in mm-hmm. the fetal position. Me too, because it's I'm, awful. I'm sensitive like that. Yes, you got too much sensitivity on things. Absolutely, but it's my greatest strength. It is, it have, 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 have either is. of you ever read A Course in Miracles? I'm reading A Course in Miracles right oh, well, now. Well, when you say it. read that, yeah, I'm reading it. Yeah. It's a it's a the thickest book process. ever. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's and to- you can't you need a cliff note or a decide like there, when you read there's, there's a complete, clockwork there's orange. There's the complete edition that I'm reading right now. So there's the actual text. There's a Breakdown, and there's a great book that I'm going to get for you. Actually, called "A Course in Miracles Made Easy" by Alan Cohen. And you will there you love go. It. I you will made love it. easy. Listen, the easiest way to absorb the Course in Miracles is, is, is no, is Marianne Williamson's yes. "Return to Love." Yes. yes, it's the tenant that all the major tenants of the A Course in Miracles are in her book, and it's so easy to read. And I need to, to reread that. Can, book. I, can I tell you one of the first books that I read when I was in my early 20s that really shifted everything was. A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Yep. It was one quote that she said that really shifted and turned everything around for me. She said, um, in order to attract the type of person you want in a relationship, you first have to become that That's type of right. person yourself. And in my early 20s, I thought, I'm fucked. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And so I started paying attention to the qualities of character that I really admired in others and wanted to embody myself. And slowly but surely, as the years went on, with conscious intention, yeah. I've moved more and more towards that person. Still, Every day, still working on it. And oh, you yeah. will till the day you die. Precisely. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a practice. Yeah. Hey, we got to take a break real quick i want to talk more about this i want to know about your jamaican uh daddy and i want to know about everything (laughs) we have to uh take a break and um uh we'll be right back with more jeffrey boyer chapman hey michelle i want to talk about these away what you call me uh, yes away suitcases i love them they're so chic Mm -hmm. and so durable Everybody should have an away suitcase. And there's a special deal if you use the offer code RU20. But I'm sure you've got a few words to talk about the away. The durability. Honey. The durability. You know, emphasis on ability. And she is pink. And she, well, you have a pink, I have a pink one too. We got the same one. What is, what's up with that? We got matching cases. We have, we should go on a vacation together. Oh my God, we'd be so cute. We'd be so cute. We'd be so fat. Yes, Rue and Michelle's high school vacation. vacation. 
Why haven't we done anything like that? Like Rue and Michelle's. That's such a. I don't know. We should do a movie. It's just like Romy and Michelle. Uh, but but it'll have to be sponsored by Away Suitcases. Okay, perfect. Because they are the perfect companion to yes. any trip. Yes. Are you hearing me, people? They're the perfect companion to any duo. Yes. Here's the thing. This is what I loved about it because I brought it to, with, with me recently to Hawaii. And what I love is that there's a little built-in compression pad on one side. So you open it up. One side has the zipper. The other side has this built-in compression com- compression pad. Yeah. I actually brought it to um, when I did Edmonton, uh, Alberta Pride. And I thought you went to Portland too to pick uh, up the kids? Sure. I did that too. Uh-huh. I bring it everywhere. But that's what I love about it because you can. it has the things where you can make the compression pad higher or lower adjustable you know and it also has the ejectable battery to keep your phone charged that's right so that so you, could come with it. Right. And if, and if you know, you can eject it out if you if you don't want to have the battery. Is it heavy, the battery? No, no. It's no. it's it's like a little brick, but it's not super heavy. It's yeah. light, and you just put it in the case, and off it goes. Uh. There's a removable laundry bag to separate dirty clothes from clean clothes. How many times can I tell you that I go into the hotel room, yeah. and then I go and get take the plastic yes. laundry bag, yes. and killing the planet with that plastic? Uh-oh. Well, with an away bag, you don't have to worry about it, and it's a bigger carry-on. It's sized up, you know, it's upsized, so it's the perfect size to get all your stuff in, but it makes the most of the overhead bin. Okay. So it still fits up in there. It's lightweight, just like you said, Rue. It's got a durable shell. It's made to last a lifetime of travel for all the Rue and Michelle vacations. I love that. And there's a 100-day trial on everything Away makes. Now, you can take it out on the road, live with it, travel with it, get lost with it. If you decide it's not for you, you can return it at any, uh, you know, Anytime. For a full refund, no ifs, ands, or asterisks. And I believe you can return it any non-personalized because they could personalize it for you. Oh, I did not know but that. But you can't personalize and then try to send it back because they'd be like, I don't want no suitcase yeah, I don't want, with yeah, I don't want Ru- 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 Michelle's high school reunion. Ooh, they can't do nothing with that shit. <laughs> Free shipping on any away order within the contiguous U.S., Europe, and Australia. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash rue20 and use the promo code, well, rue20 during checkout. That that's Rue20 for $20 off. We are back with Jeffrey Boyer Chapman and uh, continuing our conversation. I, I'm going to just slip. You're, you're taking your false eyelashes off? I'm taking show? everything off. Are you okay with that? That's fine. Yeah, Did you guys get these out fine. so they don't make noise? What, what, what are the, those the are wipes. the wipes. Yeah. Now, Jeffrey, have you ever been in, in drag before? Right. Rue, I never. Okay, that's not true. I was gonna say I've never been in drag. I've done it twice for two films, but it was it was quick drag, yeah, and it was done by female makeup artists oh, who usually count. do cis girls. It doesn't count. It yeah, wasn't it wasn't count. true drag. You just yeah. made makeup on. Just yeah. makeup on. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and a wig, and you know, like you know, some socks. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, But I've never done it properly. Yeah, and as intrigued. As I am by it, something about it terrifies me, and it's such a bizarre what is thing it? too. I don't know. I think it's a. Le- I think it's a control thing. I think that um, the funny thing is, is that I would encourage anybody else to do it, mm-hmm. so, like, to put on a wig, put on some heels, put on some lashes, mm-hmm. and like, l- and just kiki, just like let that 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 inner wild child come out. I um, it's something that I would love to do, and I think the fact that um, a part of me is resistant to it is uh, like a marker that it's like it's an indicator that I need to do okay, it. Okay, let's go deeper. What is that part of you that is resistant to it? Um, I think it uh, came from um, societal messages that were fed to me as a child growing up in such a patriarchal. I love that Michelle's just taking off everything <laughs> right now, by the My way. My legs are stripping. next. Yeah, yeah. This is incredible. <laughs> Wait till she takes her teeth out. Oh, yeah, exactly. Unrecognizable. <laughs> uh-huh. I think there were messages fed to me as a child growing up in a super, you know, a predominantly Caucasian, uh, heavily patriarchal society where um, exhibiting any qualities of femininity as a male, as a 
a cis male was a weakness, was mm. wrong, was um, le- made you less than, made but you, you a target. But you know now that's not true. I know that's not true. But this goes back to what you and I, were, what we were all talking about earlier about yeah. subconscious beliefs and things that were fed to us as children. And, mm. and my, in my heart of hearts, I know that's not true. Um, but there's a part of me, that inner child in me, that still wants to play small. Hmm. I think it's a block, a block that I would I would love to work through. I don't know if it's the inner child that wants to play small. I think it's probably um, I don't know if because I think the inner child actually wants you wants to uh, be in a place where it feels safe. Children mm. always want to feel safe, and they want. Uh, and I think that the feeling unsafe is connected to. Uh, the sort of the wild abandon that comes along with doing drag. Because once you do, once you do drag, because what would happen? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you. And this is not unique to just you; it's everyone. Mm-hmm. What would happen is, it somehow it gives you permission to uh, act and behave a way that may make you feel uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, it may make you feel ashamed, not uncomfortable, ashamed, ashamed. Right. There's a freedom with it. There's right. a freedom. And what happened? It's amazing. It's like taking that first drink. You never know if someone's going to be a fun drunk mm. or a happy drunk or a mean drunk. Mm. or So you never know what you're going to get. So where does the shame come from? Well, the shame, uh, the shame comes from that freedom, that freedom. Because what I'm getting from him, and even the way you speak and the, the cadence of your voice, there's a control mm. to your whole energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you got into drag, that control is gone because yep. she will take over. Yes. And I think you might be afraid of she. And I think she will blow your cover on that control. I agree. I think so, too. You know? Interesting. Yeah. I- I'm not opposed to it. It's something that I would love to explore. Without you. Oh, absolutely. You should run. Don't walk. I mean, <laughs> the truth is, um, yeah, well, I maybe I can help set this up for yeah. you somehow because this is something you need sooner rather than later. Because oh, I know that uh, recently, I mean, the other, I just hear from the other kids in the playground that, that you have been go. your life has changed recently. Yeah. Your, the, the dynamics of your life have has changed. We can talk about it. I, well, I've actually not talked about it publicly, but I will be more than willing how to How has your... How have the dynamics of your life changed recently? This past year was a huge year for me. I met my biological mother for the first time. My TV show uh, of five years came to an end. And my relationship of four years came to an end. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, It was a lot. It was a lot of letting go. And so uh, what what effect has that had on you from the inside out? I feel more like myself than I have in years. And um, I think that it gives me a, a much deeper perspective. I mean, you talk about this when it comes to meditation. It talks about, you talk about like use uh, kind of like the reference of Google Maps going outside mm-hmm. of yourself to look at yourself from a different perspective mm-hmm. and just pull it out, Michelle. Oh, she's trying not to, she's trying not to make crinkly noises. Just do it. <laughs> um, um, it's, it's allowed me to see when I look, when I think of myself, eight or nine months ago and I look back at that version of of myself it makes me it makes me want to weep it makes me want to cry that which I, version of yourself the, the version of myself that that played so small and allowed myself to remain in a situation that I was deeply unhappy in for a very long time in fear of stepping out into the world on my own mm. Mm. But you did it. I, but I did it. I held on to something that was really no longer serving me and hadn't been serving me for a long time and uh, was really causing me a lot of pain in many ways. Um, but I was I was afraid. I was afraid to, that I wasn't capable of surviving in the world by myself, which is absurd and ridiculous mm-hmm. because I had survived for so many years on my own. But yeah. um, I had just become so accustomed to um, 
you know, a certain level of of codependency, codependency to yeah. be totally honest. Yeah. And um and you know, this and the love for this person. I loved this person very, very much. But the truth of the matter is is that we we just we really grew apart. We were going in two very different directions. Mm-hmm. I and I the part of me, the biggest, the largest part of me, the truest version of me, um, was stifled and was um really suffocating. I wasn't able to access um the deeper, truer parts of who I am um because it didn't feel safe to do so. Mm-hmm. Um because I was afraid of critique or judgment, because I was afraid, um, you know, um, I mean, I, there was just, there was fear. I was just, I was living, yeah. I was living in a state of fear and truly, um, one of the greatest, it wasn't even a piece of advice. It was just something that he had said to me, uh, while we were still together when I was really like drowning in a place of fear and anxiety. And he said, he looked at me and he said, you have everything and you cannot feel it because of the fear. Mm-hmm. And that was a light bulb moment huh. for me. That's really when I woke up. I thought, mm-hmm. you're right. I have everything within me that I need. You're right. And let's I, break up. Let's break up. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, well, that seems to be an ongoing uh, storyline, too, with children who have been adopted. I know Michelle talks about this. This ongoing, uh, keeping this storyline going of um, not only codependency, but being uh, just being abandoned again or feeling yeah. like... Um, you know, you've been left behind somehow. Oh, Rue, and meeting my biological mother, like, I don't think that I had allowed myself to access that inner child uh, f- for my entire life. Uh, there, there, as soon as soon as I uh, realized that she, as soon as we made contact, as soon as I realized that she was alive, that she was real, and that I had an option to meet her, um, I mean, I was in a puddle of tears on the fl- on the floor. I, I felt like... Um, that part of me, that that child in me who had never allowed myself to acknowledge whether or not she was a, a, a real living, breathing human being. I'd never allowed myself to really go there because I was too afraid um, of the opposite being true, of her, um, you know, not being alive, of her not wanting me, of it just ending up being, you know, you hear so many bad stories. Well, did you Michelle, ever have of, those dreams? Like I often, even now, have dreams of abandonment, not by a mother. But it's always by somebody, and they're always leaving me yeah. in my dream, which is a, my unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still happens to this day, mm. and it's not—it's not a mother figure. No, mm-hmm. um, but it's always a friend or a lover or an ex-boyfriend or whatever. They're always leaving me, and I'm always like broken and mm. uh, in tears that's, in my dream. Oh, that's interesting. I no, wonder. Actually, sorry, go ahead. I wonder if, in the context, if if. You could be conscious when that's happening the next time and actually play it through and say, thank you and it's okay. I'm I'm going to be fine. I would love to. You know? You know? If, if it only happened when I was awake, yeah, yeah. I could do it. <laughs> or maybe I can somehow go to sleep. Like I meditate when I go to sleep. And maybe there's a meditation I can do that can kind of guide that. Yeah. Mm. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I actually don't, I genuinely, generally don't remember my dreams. Um, when I do, they're, they are, um, it's it's so bizarre. They're almost like visitation dreams, you know, like um, from people who have passed, my grandfather or a dear friend of That's mine. That's how they speak passed. to us in our That's dreams. That's how they speak to us. Yeah. And they're so vivid and so real that I wake up not being able to differentiate, like 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 genuinely believing that they're I love right those, there with though. me. They're really beautiful. Well, just those because, are really the only dreams I remember. Just because you dreamt it doesn't make it any less real. It's right. True. You know. Yeah. So, um, oh, wait. So w- when you met your biological mother, mm. you don't have to say your name or anything, but um, where her, was she living? Her name is Nancy. <laughs> and I think there's a, there's a deep irony 
in the fact that she gave birth to a Nancy boy. (laughs) (laughs) She was living in Alberta. She was living in Edmonton, Alberta, which is where I was born. And she's a white lady. She's a white lady. Who would play her? Oh, that's, oh my God, that's such a good question. Um, Maybe Sally Field. Oh, Sally Field. Wow. Yeah. And does she have lots of other children? No, she had no, she had none others. It's actually, it's a. You're her only, only time she gave birth to a human. And she gave you And that's you. She was really young. She was 22 when she had me. And she actually, six months after she gave birth to me, she, um, she had her tubes tied. She, I think she was going through postpartum and she really just had such guilt about giving me up for adoption. The look on both of your faces right now. Oh my gosh. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm feeling, no, I'm thinking about this 22 year old and the feeling of what that must feel like. Yeah. And then to get your tubes tied to make it finite. Yeah. Yes. Like I am never doing this again and going through this yes. again. I mean, there, you know, there is always the option of a reversal. But, yeah, but, but they don't always take. No, no. So she, yeah, she, she made that decision and she felt like it was the best decision for herself. And she has told me that she doesn't have any regrets. Is she happy about with it. it, her decision? And I think she has a really good life. I think she lives a life of service. And as much as I am very similar to my adopted mom, I like really were very, very similar in many ways. Um, there's a part of me that I could never quite it never quite vibed with the rest of my family, and I never quite knew yeah. where it all came from. The spiritual side, really. Yeah. And meeting this woman, Nancy, my mother, I mean, she is a spiritual witch. She is, is a she? hippie witch. Oh, my God. She is like, I, she was chanting Namiyaho Rengekyo when she was pregnant with me. Yeah, She, you know, she's been practicing yoga and meditation. We've read all the same books. We very much speak the same language. Wait, how long ago oh from God. this today did you uh, meet her? Less than a year ago. Less, Less than a year September ago. September of 2018. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And so my name was actually, so it's funny. So she's, uh, her name was Nancy and she gave birth to a Nancy boy, but she, my birth name was Christopher Sheldon, my my first name and my middle name. And I asked her, where did you get those names from? And she said, when she was growing up, when she was about eight years old, there was a boy who was about 13 years old who was named Christopher, her neighbor, who was just the sweetest, kindest boy who was always nice to all the neighborhood kids and would help out with the parents and was just like this nice, genuine person. Okay. Um, there you go. And then Sheldon, when she was about 13, there was a 16-year-old boy who was this, had the same qualities of character. He was just so kind and sweet and nice. And she said that he was just so different than the other boys. And they were, you know, as, yeah. as she's both grown, gay. she realized they're both, they're both gay boys. <laughs> and you, I love the and, name Christopher. And you you have met your biological father? No, I haven't. You haven't? No. Is he still with us? He is. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. he traveling out and about and spreading his seeds still? Uh, he's married and he's been married to my little boy brother's uh, mother for the past 20, you know, oh, 20, okay. 20 so he's years. been locked up there. I, I allegedly. Behalf, okay. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're going to go to break in a minute, but um, so when your mother first saw you, did yeah. she say, what were her first words? <laughs> you, you, look, you look just like you do on TV. <laughs> oh, because she be, so you spoke on the phone and you yeah. said, oh, I'm this person and I'm on television. We spoke over email for about six months, like really long dissertation length emails, just really going in depth and getting to know each other and asking like the uncomfortable questions. Um, uh, and during that time, I didn't tell her at first, but I told her uh, in a couple of emails in that what I did for a living mm-hmm. because I didn't want it to be about that because yeah. my closest friend friends and family, it's not about that. It's not right. about what I do. They don't, right. you know, they're proud of me and they support me. But the fact that I'm on television, it just, it's not a factor. In First thing I asked my me. mother was why I had no tits. Uh. <laughs> I literally said, why do I have no boobs? And then she uh. looked at you and said, said, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. She said me. I said, why do I have this huge bump on my nose? She said me. And I was uh-huh. like, thanks mom. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. you sounded like you asked a lot of Deeper stuff. I went deep. Yeah. I really yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Hey, we're going to go to break. We're going to have more Jeffrey B- uh, Boyer Chapman after this. <laughs> 
Now, Michelle. Yeah, they hired. They heard they hiring down to the post office. Oh, what you going to do? <laughs> well, you know, look, I'm just joking. The thing is this. If you have a company and you want to hire people, yeah. there's only one stop to make. I know what you're talking about. Yes. You're talking about. Zip recruiter girl a to the man that's right now hiring is challenging yeah. but rue said it there's one place you can go where hiring is simple fast and smart a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates and that place is ziprecruiter.com slash of course rue we'll get into that in a minute ziprecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technologies ziprecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. Oh my goodness, that makes it so easy. All of the dirty, nasty work of trying to hire people is 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 taken off your shoulders yep. by ZipRecruiter. Who's the boss? ZipRecruiter. You the boss. Okay. And ZipRecruiter is doing <laughs> ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is doing your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidate so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. What did you say? I said the first day. Oh, I like the sound of that. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Rue. That is ZipRecruiter.com R-U slash R-U. ZipRecruiter.com slash Rue. You know, I just called my therapist to get a little uh, time trying to fit, you know get the hookup you know with work and everything it's so difficult I literally I just told the girl in there Michelle what's Na- her name her name's Natasha Natasha to I'm call, Michelle yeah, you're nice here, to Michelle. meet you call my therapist to yes. get because you're trying to coordinate this thing of course now if I were on talk space yes I wouldn't have that problem you, I could just do it anytime I want it you just text the bitch why am I not on talk space because you had the same therapist for 20 years you yes. gotta get with the new 21st century oh, stuff here oh okay and we all need someone to talk to you guys that person who could support us through the rough patches or even the everyday ups and downs of life and that is where talk space comes in and Rue would have no problem getting his, to his talk space therapist if he had talk space well guess what What? i think you're learning from this that you're gonna get i think i'm gonna get talk space it's online therapy and it makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and most importantly more convenient than ever before all you do is provide your preferences for therapy and talk space is going to match with one of five thousand plus therapists the very same day you can send your therapist unlimited text audio picture or video messages from anywhere at any time so no matter what you're going through you're not alone join more than a million people who feel happier with talk space you guys and just like Rue said so many of us say well it's not just the money it's the time yeah yeah I literally don't have any time they make it so easy for you Talkspace has more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy go to Talkspace.com make sure you use the offer code Rue to get $65 off your first month that's Rue and of course we're talking about Talkspace.com I was only talking about Talkspace yes I was talking about Talkspace we are back with Jeffrey Boy- Boyer Chapman. Why do I always stumble on that? Everybody does. I love it. Not everybody. Oh, everybody uh, does. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. I love it when Jeffrey you say Boyer Chapman. Name, I love you it do. So much. They want to say Bauer. You know what somebody said to me the other day, actually? Uh, uh. On the street, they said, Nina Bonina Brown Boyer Chapman. <laughs> 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 it was my favorite. <laughs> oh, God bless her. Now, we were talking about you meeting your biological mother. Now, yeah. when she, uh, she saw you on television, was her first time seeing you, but when... 
she saw you in person and everything, did she say, "Oh my God, you're so beautiful"? Oh, that's sweet of you. Really. No, I'm not, um, I'm not. This is not sweet of me. This is no, a fact. Yeah, if I, I mean, was your on. mother, I'd I mean, say listen, that. you know, I don't, I don't know if she. And she sounds she little. Is she little Nancy Little? Mm, yeah, I mean, she's probably only like five. Five. Yeah, and then to have a big, tall son oh, like you. Oh, it was a rough birth, she said. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, did your parents meet at a Bob Marley concert? They met. You are and, so no, they stupid. Met, they met at a, like, at a club, at like a dance club. In, was it a dance Alberta. hall club? Was it, it was a reggae maybe. night? I was, maybe, I was I probably so. performing that you night. Probably that they, uh, that you probably were. You and what, what's uh, what's her name that used to Sister do all Sister Nancy. Oh, no? you mean Christine W.? Oh, no, the one that used to do all the dance hall stuff oh um oh uh not sister not soldier not patra remember patra patra, patra. patra sure yes, yeah sure yes yes, yeah. yes. Mm, we'll yeah. go with that this is my favorite when you two do this <laughs> i know <laughs> Um, I don't remember what she said to me Patra, other than you look just right. like you do on TV. She um, we she did burst into tears. I actually brought my my mother with me, my mom Carrie, with me to meet Nancy for the first time. And, it's and not how was that? It was wonderful. I didn't think that it was some. I always knew that I would, you know, if Nancy was living, that I would meet her one day. And I always knew that I it's, it was a vision that I held that I would always go on my own. That it was like a warrior on a mission, mm-hmm. and that I would be it would be me strong by myself going in to meet her. And then the day came, and I looked at my mom and I just burst into tears and said, Mommy, can you come with me? Mm. When you brought it up to her that you were talking or going to or about to talk to your biological mother, so what was her reaction? So supportive. She's she's always been. She's always been so supportive of me, um, you know, finding my roots. And she knows that's who I am. I'm somebody who's so inquisitive. You're a seeker. And who's, oh, I'm a seeker. I'm someone who's always seeking the the depths and the, you know, the deeper truths of the world around us. And I, I she's that's just always who I've been. So she has, you know, she's been very, very supportive. And she, you know, my parents told me from the get-go that I was adopted. It was yeah, never— Yeah, but mine told me, and my mother had a problem with it. Yeah. Because I think when the day came and I said, they found Joanne, they yeah. found my mother— my biological mother, I said, do you want to know? You know, before the journey started, I said, do you want to know? And if you don't, I'll leave you out of it, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And she said, I want to know. I want to know every step of the way. So I told her. And when it was time for me to go meet her, I think she had a little bit of an issue. And then I invited her to my wedding. And then my aunt, my mother's sister, my adopted mother. Your adopted mother had an issue, yeah. She did. She was nervous. Yeah. And I had Mm -hmm. to say to her, Mom, before I left for Nashville to meet my biological mother, I said, Mommy, you are my mother. I will only ever have one mother. Mm -hmm. And that's you. Nobody's going to replace you. Mm -hmm. And I think she needed to hear that. And then she was okay with it. But what if it wasn't for my aunt, um, we all kind of sat down and talked, my mother, Arlene's aunt sister. Harriet? Yeah, Aunt Harriet. If it weren't for her saying to my mother, Arlene, if we didn't have Joanne, we wouldn't have Michelle. Yeah. You're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. That was a kind of wake-up call for mm, my mom. Yeah, isn't it yeah. interesting? We were talking about the inner child earlier and how um, a lot of the rationale of the inner child makes no sense a lot of times. I'm obviously, you know, your, your mommy, uh, your not your biological Arlene. Arlene, yeah. you know, she felt insecure. And yeah. that's the part of the psyche of the human experience. That child feels like, wait a minute, what if I'm left behind? That's mine. Don't that, take yeah. yeah. That is exactly it because my mother Carrie told me, Jeffrey, I do I am not even the least bit insecure about what I have with you. She yeah. knows that our relationship is so solid. She yeah, but she my mother did too, which is weird. So it says something about Carrie. Yeah. And it says something about Arlene yeah. and how different they are as far as evolved mm. humans. But also allowing the child to 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 the ch- inner child to have those feelings, and then we, the adult, the rational part of our our our, our consciousness, can say, "Listen, kiddo, 
this is what's really, you know, you have that discussion mm -hmm. with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I talk myself off the ledge, so to speak, in that way all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'll feel a certain way. And we were talking earlier about processing feelings. Some things will come up and I'll go, wait, what was that? And I'll go, oh, that was the kid in me who feels insecure about a certain situation. And that's when I say, kiddo. I'm here for you. There's nothing to fear, you know. And that's the dialogue that starts, uh, allows you to advance beyond some of the old um, uh, sort of roadblocks road yeah. that we talk about. This I'm just learning in therapy, actually. I've been working through these exact exercises in How therapy. How did you find your therapist? How did I find my therapist? Through <laughs> through a recommendation of my my former couple's therapist, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. She's great. She's an analyst, so it's a very different type of therapy than than what Freudian? I was used to. What's very a diff Freudian. what's the difference? Can I I've only always seen an analyst. Well you have. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. as opposed to a psychiatrist? Yeah. Well, that's medication. Yeah. And well, psychiatrist is medication. There's psychologists and counselors. And I don't know what my lady is, social but workers. I've seen her for 20 years. I know. What she is is wealthy. <laughs> yeah. And what she yeah. also yeah. what she also is is working for you. It's she works for you. Yeah. It Meaning, works for me. Yes. I don't know what I don't know what she is. I it like doesn't matter. Therapy. Everybody like has their it took, it took own a minute way. to um to to trust her, but um I was in such a like an open place that it just I was kind of therapy therapist hopping for a bit, like just kind That's of like fine. auditioning therapist yeah. to see who worked mm -hmm. for me. And I really wanted to challenge we myself. We talk about that. Male. You need to do that. Uh, yeah. It, and it was important kind of dating. What the did therapist. you just say? Challenge myself to talk to a gay male? Yeah. You know, because I had been I hadn't been around gay men until my my teen years, until I started modeling. And up until uh, at that point, I just was at this place where I was like 16 years old and was just hypersexualized by them. So it just it made me feel and, uh, you know, not across the board, but in, in many different situations with photographers and clients and agents. And um, it made me feel um, even if it was just on a, a subconscious level, very unsafe with with gay men. Being around gay men make you made you feel hyper sexualized yes. like objectified completely okay yeah yeah can, yeah well i understand that if the first exposure was with pervy photographers yeah. being all oh what's under that shirt yeah then i understand that that's, whether that's they exactly were female or male it's going to make anybody feel that way i feel like i held on to that subconsciously so I, there was a level of of uh, like mistrust with men in general mm -hmm. through my teens and 20s and so i really wanted to challenge myself by finding a, a a gay male therapist and and opening up to them in the same way that i would with a woman um and um you know, maybe they just weren't the right ones for me, but I ended up uh, uh, dating this one female uh, uh, therapist and analyst, and she's she's spectacular. I mean, it's a very different type of therapy because she doesn't really offer that much feedback for nope, you. No, they it, don't. It, Does yours? No, not at all. That's well, an no, analyst. no, that's not true. Wait a minute. Okay, we we talk. I yeah. mean, we she and I, we talk the way we're talking right yeah, now. Yeah, but Freudian people don't. Freudian people let you figure it out. They, I mean, from literally from the moment I walk in the room, she does. She'll say hello, and that's it. She that's doesn't it. ask how yep. you are, you, what's going oh, on. Yeah, There's no, no small talk. No, my lady, my lady, we talk. We talk like we're talking here, and through that process of trust and everything, things. Things come out of me that I hear, and I go, "Wow, yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah. Mm. That I don't know what that is. That's not analytical. So, what you're talking about is Freudian. Yeah, and do you have a therapist? I have for a hundred oh years. I started when I was sixteen, but they weren't allowed to. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to get my information on my biological parents through the adoption agency until I met with a therapist. Oh wow, at sixteen, oh. and I had eating disorder, so it all started. Mm. Mm. Therapy started back then. Different that was behavioral therapy. Mm. So it started out with behavioral therapy for eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia. Mm -hmm. And then it went into 
analytical therapy. Mm. And then it went into the theraposer who lied to me and wasn't a therapist after all. I, you've got to write a play called The oh, Theraposer. The God. <laughs> of course, this is someone who pretended to be a therapist, yes. but was not. Was not and ended up going to jail for eight years for oh it. Busted God. by the FBI Such for insurance fraud story. on top of it. Yeah. Oh. But he fucked with my head. Same way you're talking about with these photographers. Yeah. I always had issues with older men like that yeah. too and I went because my boyfriend at the time and I know so much about psychologists because he I went through getting into graduate school and then he all the four years of getting his PhD in clinical mm -hmm. psych mm -hmm. so I went through so much and I learned so much about psychology through him but this guy and I I'm sorry for the listeners that heard the, if you didn't hear go listen to the Theraposer episode <laughs> earlier back but I saw this guy for like three years three times a week in the beginning mm. and it went down to two times a week because it was so expensive I used my bodyguard money on this asshole oh and I realized Track I wasn't nine. I wasn't changing I wasn't getting better yeah. and in every, ep in every episode every session, session he'd be sleeping what? Like this, and then I go, uh, I'd make shit up, like, your ass is on fire, you know, and he'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> your ass is mint. Whatever. You're kidding me. No, and he, he would, and I would say, why are you sleeping? Uh -huh. I need water. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, here, yeah, she got some water there. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And he'd say. That is outrageous. A theraposer <laughs> who is sleeping. When I Googled his name a uh, couple years ago, so I put, there's going to be lip gloss that's going to make your lips yeah. tingle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I found out he got busted by the FBI, it's because I Googled his name. I said, fuck it. Let me just look. Yeah. And the list of comments were like sleeping in every um, session, told girls to wear skirts only to wow. sessions. He would talk to me and ask me sexually driven questions like, do I think about this person? Do When I have sex, do I do? And I'm like, what is this relevant to yeah. my? Oh, wow. And I would say to him, what is this relevant to what I'm talking? Like, I would call him out mm. on it. Oh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a sitcom. Who would play? Oh, it sounds hilarious. <laughs> no, it sounds like a laugh riot. Who would play the therapist? Who would play the therapist? John Lithgow. John uh, Lithgow. Would, oh, and he would do such a great job. Oh, he would smash it. Oh. Smash it. <laughs> but my point is there's all different types of therapists. Yeah. And the auditioning process is super important. Yes. Lily, my oldest daughter, it took her four therapists, because when we moved from Florida to here, yeah. it took her four therapists to get to the one that she's with now. And literally, there were ones that took insurance that I was like, this is great. Yes. And we left, and Lily's like, nope. Uh -huh. And then, of course, the one that doesn't take insurance she's with. But this is the one that pulled her through her darkest days and the same for Lola same woman if you don't audition you'll never know yeah. and you are not doing analytical because analytical is frustrating it's analysts it's are so frustrating. frustrating as fuck because you yes and that's what he Larry was the guy that was arrested yeah. and I could say of course his name. his name is Larry of course his name yeah. was Larry uh -huh. and he <clears throat> was a Freudian psychologist psychologist who wasn't a psychologist who wouldn't say shit until <laughs> I talked about sex and then it was like oh so <laughs> let me partake in this let me just open my eyes yeah. <laughs> Insane. It was it was something that I was really uncomfortable with when first seeing the analyst because it, it it's like it's it's dead air it's silence if I you're not know. talking they don't fill it for you so really, it was really well the yeah. point is we're supposed to talk 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 until it just resolves and eventually itself. after oh, I don't a like after that. but after a couple of weeks I started you know hearing myself in a different way and being able to put the pieces of the puzzle together as to why I behave in certain ways or why I make certain you do choices. figure so it out it was helpful but that said I really did love my couples therapist so much and if I could have continued to see her as well as she only did couples no she would have continued to see, she would have seen me as an individual but it just was ugh. felt weird yeah something in the milk ain't yeah, clean. yeah yeah I love her so lingering much. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um. So, all right. So you have this new thing. So yeah. now uh, this, we're talking about this year and how mm. so much has changed mm -hmm. for you. You know, I've spoken about the sevens all the time and you're mm. not in the sevens. You're 34 right now because- Out uh, of the Saturn's return. Yeah, all, yeah, all out of that. But, uh, so 33 though. It's the year that Jesus was died and was reborn. 33 oh was God. a big year. That is a big year. Yeah. It's a, you know, uh, uh, I'm just trying to figure out- I, and you don't have to know the answer to this, but, no, but why good. all this is happening now? What is happening in your life that all of this is happening? Because do you think that it's reached its apex? Are you yeah. into the the smooth sailing part of all of this? Out of the turbulence? Oh, God. I mean, uh, uh, is how how long is life ever that smooth sailing for? Mm. There's well, so that, many ebbs and flows. I mean, I, I mean, this past <clears throat> year, though, it has big. been a big one it was for big. you. Yeah. I was talking with lovely producer Alex over here earlier <laughs> about um, – how I really feel like this last year, it was like the universe creating like uh, like an internal earthquake within my own life. And it was yeah. like, it shook up my entire foundation to the core and said, if you aren't going to make these, you know, better choices and choose wiser and differently for the betterment of your own soul, we're going to shake up your world and make you do it. So yeah. I feel like it was just, it was me holding on to so many things in my life that were just really not serving me anymore and that were causing me more pain than than joy. Um, and I wasn't willing to, uh, to choose differently. So. You seem so much lighter now, though. Oh, Even Michelle, from when you first told me, and then I saw you, and we talked, and I saw pictures of you on your Instagram. I was like, yeah. oh, he's got a lightness, an airiness about him Thanks, now that Michelle. wasn't there before. Yeah, mm. I was You could really, see it. I was really playing small. It really was. Well, I mm. love what you are now. Mm, thank you. I love what you were then, too. Thank but. you. I love you. I love you, too. Um, you know, there's this, uh, I can't remember who, it was an uh, episode of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. I can't remember who she was talking to, but it was this great author, and he was talking about how in life we have two mountains mm. and how um, uh, we come to the I top. I got them removed. Yeah. <laughs> you, you certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> Documentary coming soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, how we we ascend to the top of our first mountain in life, and we achieve all the things in life that we um, that we set our sights on at a young age, like mm -hmm. in childhood, and then we get to the top, and we've done everything that we set out to do, and it's kind of like, okay, what's next? And you can make mm -hmm. the choice to come down from that mountain and start again and mm -hmm. climb a new mountain mm -hmm. with a new vision for who you are at this stage in your life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where I am right now. I feel like you honestly. can do more than two mountains, then, if absolutely. that's the case. Right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I just, you know, the the vision that I had for my life from a, from a young age was exactly the life that I that I lived. It was, uh, you know, leaving my small town and working as a model and working as an actor and traveling all over the world and, you know, achieving certain things, working with certain producers and directors and writers, doing certain movies and TV shows. And I did all of those things. And mm -hmm. um, it was great and it was fun, but there's so much more that I want to do. And there's, um, I realized that as much as I like acting um, and like playing queer characters, I really, really, really love using my personality for a purpose, Greg than myself mm -hmm. and um, over the past couple of months, really the past year, there's been more and more opportunities placed in my path that have given me an opportunity to um, to explore that and to challenge myself and to um, see how I can be of service. Um, and it feel, it just feels good and it feels right. And to be completely honest with you, it was appearing on What's the Tea the first time that really like kind of cracked that open for me. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the first time that I'd been, that I'd sat down in an interview where it wasn't just about acting. It wasn't yeah. about like breaking down a character or <laughs> yeah. you know, industry bullshit. It was this. It was sitting here having a conversation um, about who we are from our soul's core. And the response I got from that, Rue, was just extraordinary. No, I, I can see that. And I, I know that there is so much more. And all of the things that have happened to you in the past year are 
are have set this in really set this in motion absolutely in a way and and, and it's going to surprise you even more mm-hmm. because uh you know and i honestly you no know, to you know i i think that the drag thing is a, a is a huge uh milestone for you i think it will it'll scare you yeah it'll scare you to see what's what's there i agree you know yeah i agree um it's interesting though with acting too though because uh, uh Given a challenge to bring up certain uh, certain emotions in a scene or whatever, mm-hmm. also challenges you. You've you've done that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to continue acting? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I've done. I've done most of the jobs that I have set my sight on, like I, my sights on. I've done really, really cool jobs, and I've worked with amazing actors and amazing directors and writers and producers. And I, like, I am completely fulfilled. But if if um, interesting characters keep coming my way, then ab- absolutely. I felt like it was something that I was really. Um, Oh, I was just so t- – 10 years ago when I first started, I was so dead set on making an impact in the industry and helping to fill the void that was so ever-present in this industry when it came to queer bodies of color. I just never saw queer bodies of color on television. So it was so important for me to play – you know, uh, thoughtfully written characters that were a representation of people like me, people like us on our television screens, because it was so rare, if ever, that we could see them. Um, and I got to do that. It was great. And yeah. Now, and now there are so many kids out there. There are, there are so many people out there who are willing to uh, claim their otherness and yeah. to um, uh, step up and and uh, are, are willing and wanting to go out and to play these roles and to be authentically themselves as queer people or queer people of color trans people and it's just so beautiful to see um sure i want to keep doing it but i i also know that um i really love being me and and the impact that i have that i've had that i feel um by me you know um just stepping into my own authenticity is is far more impactful than me slipping into character. Oh, and there's more to come. And speaking about acting and performing, let's mm. talk about you in the Stonewall Out Loud. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about We're going to take a break. We'll, we'll talk about when we come Perfect. back. Perfect. Nothing says summer's finally here like a classic juicy burger or whipping up a fresh tomato salsa or sharing a delicious meal al fresco, right, Rue? I'll say you're absolutely right. And I love summer for that reason and that reason alone. To eat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We love barbecuing. We love cooking. I love cooking in my kitchen watching the RuPaul talk show. Uh-huh. This season, experience the joy of cooking something new, trying new-to-you techniques and making cooking fun again with Blue Apron and with an ever-changing mix of meat, fish, and vegetarian recipes to choose from. It'll be your tastiest summer yet. Now, y'all know that I've been using Blue Apron for how long? I don't know how many years you've been cooking like with Blue Apron. Like three or four years now? Yeah. Oh, it's an easier way to cook, isn't it? Honey, it's a smarter way to cook. It's a better way to cook. Uh-huh. And it all comes in a box like some other things. But right now we're talking about food. Yes. And my daughters pick out the recipes so they can't complain. And by the way, you can do it on the app or you can do it online through their website. Mm. Um, there's like six or seven recipes that go up every week. And if you don't like what they chose for you, you can then switch it out and put whatever you want oh, in I there. Oh, I like that. So you get to create your own recipes. Uh, create well you you get to choose your own recipes yeah. but when they come and let me tell you something when the recipes come it's all set out for you you just follow what it says mm. but I zhuzh mm-hmm. and when I zhuzh they love the family loves right so I know they don't love tomatoes so I'll take the tomatoes out wait no you don't like tomatoes they don't either because I don't okay <laughs> 
It's a little secret. When mommy doesn't like it, nobody likes I it. I see. So okay. it's the way it is. Anyway, Blue Apron helps make cooking at home a sustainable part of my weekly routine because my kids are there. And you know my he- my schedule is hectic. Oh, yeah. You know I don't have time to you know always go out and grocery shop. Mm-hmm. And with Blue Apron, I really don't have to worry about that. I only get three meals a week, I believe, on Blue Apron. I mm. wish it was seven. Really? I wish I could do seven. But I don't trust my husband cooking them all, although he does a great job. It's still not mommy putting in her Uh magic. Blue Apron's menu is carefully designed and tested by their test kitchen chefs. And their test kitchen uses unique specialty ingredients to bring chef-quality recipes to your dinner table. To start making delicious, brag-worthy meals at home for yourself, y'all can be a chef. Mm -hmm. Without any hassle, try Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get $60 off when you visit blueapron.com slash rue. That's blueapron.com slash ru. Blue Apron, a A better better way way to cook. cook. We are back with Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. We're talking about the Stonewall documentary, which I hear you're fabulous in. Well, thank you. You narrated it. Did I? <laughs> For real? Yes, you did. I just saw that. I was at the premiere the other night. I didn't even know that you that you narrated it. Yes. You were amazing. Did you see it? I saw bits and, and bobs, it's, but I was there when Rue was narrating. Oh, it's the, so good. Any given Sunday. So, <laughs> oh, I was so blessed to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I, I hear that you're amazing, really, Rue. really fantastic in it. Thanks, Rue. Now, um, the thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, uh, you know, you. I tell this to everyone: you've got to develop roles for yourself. Yes, <clears throat> and you've got to finance them. You got to find the finance. You got to find the people who will finance all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you would be perfect playing um, Bayard Rustin. Do you know yes, who that is? Of course, yes. And he he was a, a gay black man in the civil rights movement who was very close to Dr. King and and all of the. He was part of the inner circle who mm. made all of that happen. You'd be perfect for yes, that. Bro. In fact, I don't know uh, who. Um, Who's uh, I think someone is, was trying to develop that at one point. Yeah, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting story. But you know, look for things for yourself to do. You're a powerful witch, just like your I, mother, yeah, and you I'm can a you you are a manifester. I really am. <laughs> I You're am. manifesting. I am. As we right speak. Right now? Uh-huh. It's, it's why I'm here. That explains the lotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So now um, here you are. Yeah. You've got so much ahead of you, you know, yeah. as a... Uh, Oh. What do you see from me, Rue? So this is interesting because I, like I was saying before, I always had a vision for myself up until around the, like this age, like 33, 34 years old. And I've done pretty much everything that I set my sights on. And now I'm at this weird new place, this, this second Crossroads. mountain that I'm ascending where I'm like, I'm not really sure what is next other than I know that it feels good. It just feels so damn good to it be me. It feels good. Listen, you know. it, the, the, it, it, the work part of it, there. Okay, there. There's two Ooh. different things. The work part of it, you can. That's just trash. I just <laughs> flew out of my hand. There's, you are new and improved. So oh. you can continue in terms of work. You just ride that. You can continue riding that. But it's different now yeah. because there is a knowing. There is another passenger with you, mm. and that other passenger is that that little boy who you have to acknowledge and create a relationship with. You have a relationship with him, but it's a, a relationship now where uh, you have to. Make him feel safe, and you do that by building trust, mm. and that that you he should know that you you're not going to put him in a situation where he has to play small yeah. or has to be quiet, mm. because you just described being in situations where uh, you 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 sort of muted a part of yourself Completely. so that you could be in a situation where you felt. Safe and uh, uh, a sort exactly of uh, synthetic safeness. That's exactly, and it. that's not that's not the kid 
was acting. The kid will act out and the kid will say, uh, hello, I'm tugging on your shirt. Uh, what about me? What about <laughs> This is what's different now. Is you can continue on the trajectory of your career and continue to work and do all the things that are offered to you, but it's different now mm. because you have, you're taking care of someone and you're building a trust relationship with that kid. Uh, That's the difference. The greatest lesson that I learned coming out of my relationship with my former partner was to to trust myself and to listen to my intuition, mm -hmm. to listen to my intuition because it was screaming yes, at me. That's that kid. It started out as a whisper yeah. and then the voice got you a know, little bit louder. When you know, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. The greatest lesson is to, and I, that, that is my, that is my, 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 uh, co my companion on this, on this journey yes, from here on yeah. out is my, is my intuition. I trust well, you it. know, relationships don't end. The form the relationship yeah. takes does change, but relationships don't end and they, they are uh, the, the lessons to be learned from them continue on and on and on. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, so how often do you see a therapist? Uh, right after, right after the breakup, it was, it was about two or three times a week. Wow. And then, uh, and now it's down to two once a week. But I really just, that's I, a lot still. Two to three times a week's intense. It was a lot, yeah. but I needed it. I needed the support. I really did. Um, and I oh, have no, always been, yeah, I've always been somebody who I don't, I, I, my friends come to me for support and I don't really, I didn't really have in Los Angeles, like a really strong support system around me of people that I felt like I could go to. I felt like I was a bur I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to inconvenience Well, that's, the, that's also uh, the adopted child thing is, mm. you know, I, I, I have a terrible habit. I'm not adopted, but I have a terrible habit of not wanting, not asking for any help. Yes. And I, I um, first of all, I don't trust people. Mm. And I... Uh, Scorpico. Yeah, Scorpico. Yeah. And I, um, you know, the the best thing I could do for my child is to ask for help. I learned that lesson when I, I, I could pinpoint why I was living in that state of fear. And when I was living, when, when I'm fearful, it's because I believe that I am alone. Yeah. And when I believe I'm alone, it's because I'm not asking for help. That's right. And when I ask for help, I realize I'm anything but alone and there's that's no reason right. to be afraid. Oh my goodness. That's great. It was a big lesson. That is really good. You know, one of the, my kid, my, I never wanted to ask for help because I, I couldn't trust my parents they were fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I thought, well, um, I have to do this on my own. But that's not true. No, that's not, not true. And, uh, you know, uh, I have to be willing to be vulnerable, which is strength. We know that now. Huge. And it's like, it's terrifying being vulnerable. But it's yeah. when I, it's it's when and how I've made the deepest connections in in, in my life. And it's, um, it's how I have um, uh, quite expediently gone through this healing process, really. Mm. It's just by... Well, it may not be over now. Oh, I mean, it's I relatively... <laughs> Short. I got miles to go. But <laughs> yeah. I will say that I had the blessing of having, uh, you know, a chunk of time in front of me, a solid uh, two months where I where I wasn't working, where I knew that I could take the time to really work through a lot of stuff and heal. So I was doing two or three days of therapy a week. I was meditating at least an hour a day, writing in my journal Jeez. every day. I know I really went in full force. But that's the thing about having over a decade of spiritual practices and many different spiritual practices is that I could uh, utilize all of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other lesson in that was is that when I'm not uh, – when my life goes to shit, I tend to just like bring out all of the tricks and like, you know, and like do everything that I can to get myself back up to a place of like high vibrational frequency. Well, well did you allow yourself to go down yes, there yes, first? Yes, yes. Because, so you the, know, the lesson was to to keep utilizing those tools, to keep utilizing meditation and journaling and therapy and um, really accessing my own vulnerability on a daily basis so that my I life doesn't do have that. to careen into. Accessing vulnerability is not easy because I'm the person who, when somebody taps into that vulnerability, right, 
I guess it's trust. I guess it's trust because I trust Rue with my vulnerability. I trust my husband, although I don't show up much with him. Mm. Um, I guard goes up. Mm. And if somebody does something to that I trusted at one point and mm -hmm. I they do me wrong, that's it. They mm -hmm. are I don't want to say dead to me, but they'll mm -hmm. never tap into that part of me again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really weird that you're, you know, not, mm -hmm. not, it's not weird. It's amazing that you are able to I just know that the, access it. the opposite hurt too much, you know, like keeping well, but that. Could you, but could you go to the pain? I mean, did you allow yourself to feel the pain? Did really, you allow yourself to go all the way down there? Oh, I really did, bro. You yeah, did. I really did. It was, you know, not, I mean, not only. Uh, just you know, cr just crying, cr just just nonstop crying for really for weeks and months on end. So you know, okay, you know what's interesting? Um, uh, I saw a psychic years ago, and uh, about a relationship. This is twenty something years ago, and she said, um, you know, the pain you feel isn't for the situation I went to see her for. She says this feels like old dried blood. It mm -hmm. was an old wound mm -hmm. that that this new situation mm -hmm. uh, ripped the scab ripped off. The scab yeah. off, mm -hmm. but the depth of that. That mm -hmm. hurt was an old one, and I and I, as I thought about that and retraced my steps, I was like, "Oh shit, yeah. that's my father. Yeah. This is my father's yes. stuff." You know, crazy. You know, and so when you look at this situation, yeah. was it an old? Oh, wound? absolutely. I've been making the same choices and having the same you know dynamics in my relationships um, with you know uh, same story, just different human. Yeah. Know? So uh, playing the role of daddy today mm -hmm, is this mm -hmm, actor mm -hmm. stepping in for the role. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, what is it? Same script, different. Same, same script, cast. different cast. Yeah. 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 You know, one of the things that one of my tricks, and you know, I work a lot, but when I stop working, I have to be prepared for a wave of depression because Ooh. I'm a sensitive person, and mm -hmm. when I look around at the world, or even if I look at the table with the light on closely, I go, oh my God, this is dirty. <laughs> you know, And that's how I see the world. Sometimes I'll, I'll stop and slow down and then I have to let it pass. But one of the things I do, and this could be helpful for people listening, is I like to reboot my system. And what I'll do is I will, I have a playlist of songs that make me cry real hard. Oh, wow. And it's a way <laughs> to uh, just reboot the whole system, yeah. you know? And usually it's either... Um, uh, Bette Midler in my life from the movie For the Boys, mm -hmm. which is the the, um, the Beatles song in my life. They were they sang it. I love Beatles songs when other people sing them because they they mm. sang in my life. They were da 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 da. Okay, but when Bette sings it, and I can't it's because it's it's a ballad. I know this version, and you go <gasps> that whole album is great. Mm. Oh my goodness! Even. Song um, help when uh, uh, when Tina sings it, she sings it with all of it. But when the Beatles sing, they go, "Help me if you can, I'm mm -hmm. feeling down." And you know, but when Tina goes, she goes, "Ah, oh, you hear what yeah. the song is about." Yeah, it's deep. Anyway, long story long, mm -hmm. you know, um, another song of mine is um, "When You've Been Blessed," which is a Patti LaBelle song, mm. or even Patti LaBelle's live version. I posted this on Twitter the other day. She goes on Soul Train. Usually when people went on Soul Train, they would lip sync. Patti LaBelle takes a track of Over the Rainbow, and she goes on to Soul Train. This is 1981. And she sings it alive. She's singing live to a track. That bitch tears the... She sings the shit yeah. out of that song. Because she does that huge oh, modulation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I'm only saying this for the listeners. You read. You can reboot your system. You can look yes. at the darkness. Yes. Don't stare. Yes. You yes, can yes, yes. look 
at the darkness. Mm -hmm. Don't stare. Yeah. So if you, I was yeah. staring at it. I was staring at it for a long time. It's funny, actually. The uh, a song that I really was listening to on repeat during that those months of of endless tears was a Labelle song. Not it was Patty Labelle and the Labelles. Yeah. It took a long time. Do you know? Oh, that it song? took a long time. Yes. Oh, yes. It took a long time to see happy. Yes. You know, it's such a beautiful song. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I feel like in so many of my relationships and you know dynamics in my, in my life, my friendships even that I I haven't I don't allow myself to be vulnerable because yeah. I'm the one that they. Oh, they I. I can see that in you. I see that in you. Absolutely. So I really, I really just allow myself to cry. Whenever I felt like crying, I cried. I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning, and the, before even opening my eyes, there would be tears streaming down my face. I think we've and all just, been there. I just at some let, point. I just let it be. I let it be because it felt, uh, it felt really good to access that part of myself, and um, and nothing bad happened. Nothing bad happened. I was always so afraid to. Uh, that people were going to see me as weak or, or th like I said, like I would be a burden or annoying or whatever. And my friends just, they were there with me and they would hold me through it. And they, they held that space, um, you know, they held a really safe space for my heart. And I'm so, so, so grateful to them for it. One of the things that kept me from showing that to people is I also don't want to be, um, I don't want to be obligated to anyone. Okay. I don't, you know, because if I show them, then it's like, oh shit, now I got to do, which I'll show, I, actually, I have no problem being there for mm. someone else. I just don't want to be obligated to do it because... They okay. fucking did it for me. Oh, oh, oh I see. But, it, but life shouldn't yeah, be yeah. that way. It shouldn't, life but it is. Life isn't tit for tat. Well, but it isn't, mm -hmm. but, um, but it is. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be, mm -hmm. but it is. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I also hadn't. Uh, I felt like I couldn't be vulnerable in in the relationship that I was in because they weren't able to handle my vulnerability. Right. I wasn't able to be quote unquote weak at any moment yeah. without them taking it personally or without them making it about them or without you know them going into a spiral as well. So I just, I just, I, I put up a veneer. I didn't yeah. allow myself to be vulnerable. So as soon as I stepped out of it and could step into my own vulnerability, it was mm. yeah, yeah, it was a game changer for me. Yeah, you know, I'm so used to with my relationship with George. I'm so used to being um, the one in control. Yeah. That, um, you know, I decide where we're going to go vacation, what yeah. we're going to wear. Uh, he's hungry. Well, I'm going to decide what we're going to eat because he, he doesn't have that. You know, I, I've rarely been around people who can um, who can be the boss yeah. in any situation because I can I do it. I know how to do it very well. Yeah. But there are times when I think, well, fuck, who's who sings for the songbird, mm -hmm. Michelle? Mm -hmm. Who Me? sings for the I'll songbird? I'll boss you around, bitch. Let me do it. <laughs> You know I will. <laughs> I will sing for the songbirds and for you. It's such a bossy bottom, That's Michelle. Me. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah, you know, but, but it's true. It's but you know, again, of uh, we've learned that vulnerability is strength. Mm -hmm. And I've uh it's a, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's a daily practice. And even building that relationship with the child who lives inside of you, who is really calling the shot. Well, mm. the, the child's calling shots. Also, the ego is calling shots. And you have to be, that's why the meditation practice is so important because it gives you a, a, a solid foundation, a, a starting, a, a, a balanced starting point mm. to go, uh, who am I? What am I doing? You know, after I saw the TV show um, Westworld. Yes, love it. Love I, it. I, uh, this is the first season. I, I started using the word, um, this word coming from that show to, to start my meditation. So even this morning I did it. I sat down. Um, it was still dark this morning. I, what I do is I get out of bed. I stretch. Then I pray. And then I meditate in that order. But I start my meditation now by going, 
Analysis. I knew you were going to say that. Analysis. Analysis. I love it. And it immediately forces you to go, okay, what's going on with me? What's going on? What do you feel? What's the body doing? Hmm. Mm. Hmm. And and being able to see yourself from outside of yourself mm. is the key to this because then you can see the, the landscape. You can, you can know to just look but don't stare because this is just a, a, a curve mm-hmm. or a twist in your journey. It's not the be-all and end-all of the journey. You're not going to stay here. Mm. That's That kind of perspective in the course of a, a long life that you're going to have on this planet helps you uh, not take it all too seriously, mm-hmm. you know? So, and all, all the tricks that you've pulled out, the tricks that you've gathered throughout your life, and the tricks you even inherited through in vitro from your mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks, as mom. A, uh, Yeah, <laughs> you know, those things are very, very helpful, yeah. and you have to remember them. Uh, part of the lesson here is to remember yes. who you are. You don't have to learn anything. Yeah. You just have to remember who Said you are. Blend of the good witch. That's right. Yeah, You absolutely. knew it all along. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, as as challenging as this past year was, and I really feel like I was in a rock bottom, it, when I when I look back at it, I'm so grateful for every single moment of yeah. it. And it sounds so cliche and so easy to say now that I'm out of it, but it really was the universe's way of like rocking me away. Yeah. Being like, listen, boy, you are not fulfilling your soul's purpose. You need to be going on a completely different path. And if you weren't, like I said before, if you aren't willing to make the changes yourself and let go of the things that are no longer serving you we got your back the mm-hmm. universe always conspires in your favor and it mm-hmm. really really truly had my back yeah, yeah. you know so we talk about this here too about the um the, the longer you're on this planet and in this journey there is a trust in intuition that comes along that i can't even describe it i just know it in my gut and uh you you learn to trust it more and more it's almost I can't describe it. I can't describe uh, yeah. it. There's um, there's a knowing yeah. that uh, if you make space in your consciousness and yeah. you clear out some of the mishigas, the, the old like superstitions or just old fears mm-hmm. that you inherited from, from society or parents or whatever, um, there's a place where the truth is is so clear for you, mm. even in choices, making decisions, even just about people, or even making a right turn. Yes. At, you know, yes. something that is can't be described. Mm-hmm. We don't have the words for this. Yeah, I agree. But part of part of earning and allowing that power is in some of those murky waters, those mm-hmm. dark nights of the soul that you mm-hmm. just described, mm-hmm. and that that actually allows you ownership. Mm-hmm. of that intuition. Absolutely. How uh, how long do you meditate every day, every morning? Sometimes it's for, sometimes it's for three minutes. Okay. Sometimes it's for 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, usually not longer than 15 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, honestly, because in time and in space and uh, in, in, in that realm, time and space don't exist. It's true. So, and 15 minutes is better than three minutes, but three minutes is better than nothing. Yeah, right? but it's just, it's just a matter of, just balancing mm. of quieting and quieting yourself down mm-hmm. to hear, hear to, to tune into that frequency frequency mm. that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with frequency the, frequency, hey. frequency that um the tuning for <laughs> that is that frequency when you align yourself with the rhythm and the frequency that is that is love oh. that thing that 
runs through each and every single living thing on this planet, when you align yourself with that, that's when you are, uh, that adjustment happens. Mm -hmm. And then you can start your day. Mm -hmm. Because if you're out of alignment, literally, figuratively, you cannot, you cannot get to where you, you're going, where you need to go. Yeah. If you're out of tune. It's like playing, it's like playing a piano that's out that's of right. tune. It, that's it right. It not sound very good, is it? That's right. All yeah. of these metaphors are there for a reason. That, mm-hmm. they, it, that's they're all, I mean, they, they all sound so cliche, but at the end of the day, they're all universal truths. Mm-hmm. Right? They are. Yeah. They absolutely are. And, you know, you know, it does take courage, though, to uh, cha- switch up your life the way uh, you just did recently. Yeah, it, it's a big change. It, it, it really it really was. And it doesn't feel like it when you're going through it. No. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And really ending the show was huge. Ending the, you know, shooting the final yeah. season of Unreal. That was major. That, that was, was major for you. Because really that, that show, that show, I mean, you've done several things before that, yeah. but um, that show is how most of us got to know Completely. you. Completely. Absolutely. And it was the, it was, it was the culmination of so many of my dreams all in one job. It was working with Marty Noxon, this writer and producer who mm-hmm. I had aspired to work with since childhood. It was having somebody write a character for me, after me, like an openly, uh, uh, you know, a, an authentically written queer man on television. I mean, that was major. It was it was my dream in many, many ways. I uh, walked away with one of my best friends in the world from that show, Constance Zimmer. Love. I love Constance so much. And she was a huge support to me over this over this past year. Um, but, but that was big. It was big, um, you know, uh, uh, having that chapter of my life coming to an end and not really knowing what was next, mm-hmm. not really having that that safety net for the past five years and really not knowing what was what was to come next and really seeing you know this my I really had to examine my own ego around this as well like when making the next choices of what was going to come next after Unreal mm-hmm. because I had seen so many of my my friends and colleagues who I'd come up with who were really ascending to some tremendous fame um, and it was ev- on paper it was everything that the world around us aspires to mm-hmm. um, you know they were they had the hundreds of thousands and millions of followers on social media they were, had the endorsement deals they were getting all of these great roles but I didn't you know on, uh, you, I could look at it from an outside perspective and see wow it looks like they've really got it all together and they're living their dreams and um uh, not all of them. I can't paint it across the board, but many of them I could see were going about it in a way that really wasn't very soulful. They were really losing parts of themselves and making mm. the choices to ascend to their next, you know, career highs. Um, and it was it was kind of a warning sign for me to see that, um, for me personally, um, that uh, in order to to uh, experience what I consider true success it has to come from a really soulful intention driven place it, mm-hmm. it can't it can't be from ego there's so many reasons mm-hmm. why we want to work in this industry and why we want um, to you know get that next role and you know be on that TV show and be in that movie but a lot of them are really coming from ego driven sure. places for yeah. you know the notoriety the fame the the quote unquote free shit was the best one, another great piece of advice that you gave me we were at an Emmy's gifting suite mm-hmm. do you remember <laughs> yes and we were talking and I was like let's go get some free shit and you tapped me on the shoulder and said darling nothing in this world is free. Yeah, I will well, always remember that everything stuff. comes at a price. Yeah, and the free stuff is way a lot of times. Here, it's way hold too this expensive. pen and smile. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want the pen. I don't want to. I don't even yeah. like this pen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But uh. But really, like uh. You know, looking at what the next steps were going to be, I really had to take a. I had to take a very close look at my ego and why it was telling me to make certain choices, and then really tap into my own intuition and and um try to listen to that and trust that that was going to lead me on a much healthier your path, um, even if it meant giving up some of the things that um, that 
you know, that this world around us, when, when you have some of these things, when you have these, when you've reached a certain level of success, the world around you tells you that you're successful. Yeah. And so you, you know, you're, we're conditioned to believe it, even if yeah. you're not happy. Yeah. And even if you like lose the, you know, the most precious parts of yourself. But you have to go there to be able to know that it, uh, it doesn't fulfill. Oh, and, and you, and you know, and you know that now. You know? Now I know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You hear it. You hear that money doesn't buy happiness, that fame doesn't buy happiness nope. and all those things. But I don't, I really truly think that you don't, you really don't get it until you. You can get it intellectually, but to own it on an emotional level is mm -hmm. a completely different thing. I think mm -hmm. everybody understands intellectually what that means, mm -hmm. but you know, I, you know, and and the the joy, the personal joy, is something you work on every day. It's not like you get it and then you're fixed. Precisely. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like something you work on all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's like goes back to the first book on spirituality that I read, Living with Joy. It's a, da yeah. it's a daily practice. How did you find that book? It was, I was uh, working at a restaurant when I was, you know, in between modeling contracts and two of the servers that were there, um, Melinda Hatch, her name was, she uh, she had it. She had a copy of it, and yeah. the cover of it just just stood out to me. So I picked it up and started reading it. Then went What's and got it a called? copy. Of Living with Joy by mm -hmm. Sanaya Roman. And then it was like uh, Marianne Williamson, yeah. Louise Hay, yeah. which was still was such a huge help for me this past oh, yeah. year. Louise Hay's um, "You Can Heal Your Heart." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, what a godsend. That yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recommend too, and, and um, Audible has a, a lo these books um, for people to listen to. It's even when you're going to bed, and I've done this for twenty. 30 years go to bed listening to these lectures mm. and these books on on tape because it, it enters into your subconscious mm. and uh after a while you know it becomes a second nature to you absolutely you know even when these things are happening to you you know um uh intuitively that it's that it, it's it's an important benchmark mm. that's happening to you and that there's a deeper meaning for you there a deeper uh, lesson to be learned. None of it happened in vain. One of the greatest tools actually that really helped me through it was this phenomenal podcast that I came across called Live Awake. It's uh, by this woman named Sarah Blondin, who's Canadian actually. I don't know her. She's from uh, Winnipeg, but lived in Vancouver, was working as an actor for many years, uh, got pregnant, decided to give up the city life, moved out to the country in British Columbia with her husband and her child, and went through a really deep depression and some really debilitating anxiety. Mm. Um, and she started writing to herself in her journal entries just to soothe herself mm. just like really beautiful entries to speaking to her to her inner child mm -hmm. really just telling her that you know all of the things that um, that you would tell a really you know your best friend when you're going through something like that She's, mm. she wrote it to herself and then uh, she spoke it out loud to one of her friends one day and they said this is phenomenal you should record it so she recorded them and added a little meditation on the end of each episode and I, I can't get through an episode without without bawling my eyes out because it feels like she is talking directly to me because she is because she was speaking to herself, which yeah. means she was speaking to the collective consciousness. It's uh -huh. such a beautiful podcast. Do you cry like, a lot? I do. Yeah, I really do. I really every day? I, I, probably every day. I cry really freely. I cry, I cried today. I cried earlier. There were tears of joy, but they were, yeah, I really do. Over the past, yeah, really since the end of the relationship, I've really allowed myself to cry every day. Yeah. It feels really good. Yeah, it does feel good. It yeah. really, like, yeah. I hate it. You, you hate do? crying? When was the last time oh. you cried? Long, I can't even tell you. Really? Michelle? <clears throat> Not a crier. You're not a crier. Mm -mm. Why not? The only thing that makes me emotion, uncontrollable emotional, uncontrollably emotional mm -hmm. is my kids. 
Yeah. Anything having to do with my kids, I and I know any parents out there can relate. But, but like, isn't if, that a deferred? Aren't you deferring uh, your feelings through someone else? I don't think it's defer. I think like if my kids up even performing, I remember just a violin concert or in a school play, whatever they. I just when I stand up with my camera, I automatically well up. <laughs> it's my un ridiculously and never ending joy and love for my children. Mm. Anything having to do with them gets me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not a crier. When was mm. the last time you cried, Ru? Uh, Ru can cry at any fucking minute. I can minute. cry, yeah. I, um, uh, it must have been yesterday. I, cause like, um, not teared up, like a proper cry. No, a proper cry. I, I think it was yesterday. Uh, I was... Um, it was probably a song. I probably induced crying is mm. what I did because a lot of time I I just I like to 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 just um, flush my system. It's and so healthy <laughs> to do that. My husband can do that too. My yeah. husband will be on the treadmill and I'll go over and he's crying. I'm like, what are you watching? He's watching America's Got Talent Golden Buzzer. Oh my god, uh -huh. he is golden so sweet. Buzzers. I love David the, like, so the golden much. Buzzers what are like a sweetheart. He You're literally so lucky to be with a man who is so sensitive. Hundred percent, I'd need to be because oh, I'm so, so stoic. Sweet. I just uh -huh. adore him. That. Anybody that's as stoic, it would be a horrible relationship. Mm -hmm. And he encourages me to be as emotional as I can be because, mm. it, you know, it— You can handle it. It helps with intimacy also, mm. but it's really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a trust thing. I think it's within me. Hmm. You know, it's not that I don't trust him. I'm just not a cry. I never was. Yeah. Even as a kid, scared shitless, picked on, bullied, whatever it was, I was never a crier. Mm. Yeah. And I think that skin got thicker and thicker and thicker over the years, mm -hmm. which yeah. is terrible. Even Lola said to me two days ago, we got in a little bit, or yesterday, we got in a little bit of an argument, and she's like, you know, she said something like, you know, I've never seen you cry. Wow, Michelle. Ever. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's really heavy. Huh. Well, because that, that could be a gift that you give to people. You know, showing that vulnerability could be the gift that you... Because uh, are you afraid that once you start crying, you'll never stop? No. I literally have no fear. I've tried. I've even had, <laughs> you know, in acting classes, I've had like, you know, you'd say think of whoever dead, think of never seen. No. There are no songs that make you cry? None. Even, um, uh, uh. You know the last time I cried? This is the honest to God truth. Uh -huh. When I met Patti LuPone. Oh, you oh that wasn't cry. that long I ago. Cried. Nope. I that cried like in her presence. That was a year or two ago. And I was like, oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it just came uh -huh, out. Uh -huh. It just literally came out. Wow. And she loved it. You know, but I feel like it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation of, of like really undoing subconscious beliefs and working through our own blocks, many of which were, you know, set in place in childhood. But that was a, that was an unconscious belief that I held, a subconscious belief that I held that um, that if I were to cry or show that vulnerability, that I would be a burden, that I would be perceived as weak. That um, I, I would swear be, that I, I don't would be, think... that I would be less lovable. But you know, I mean, it's like it's something interesting to explore for yourself. Yeah, maybe because cognitively, I don't think that I'd yeah. love to be able to look weak. <laughs> it's the, 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 I guess the, the lesson that I've learned in trusting my intuition and being at this point in my life is that I am willing, ready, willing, and able to face all of my blocks that I that are self imposed in my own life and work through them because well, they... we're going to get you in drag. That's yes! not just drag, not just drag, drag. We're like in full on drag yes. where the, she drag. will. Emerge oh my god! In a way that that it will, it, it, I can't prepare you for it because it's just it's. I think you. I think you have an idea of what what will emerge. Is it's so mind blowing, mm. and the it, the most mind blowing part is the reaction other people have yes. towards you. Yes, we would be twins. 
We would be twins. twins. We would be twins. Although you know, w- once I got famous, I couldn't. I couldn't be this trashy whore <laughs> that I always loved being when I was um, when I was doing drag it's, up in the club. I, I do love that 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 drag version of you. For yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And well, you know, it's once I got famous, it uh, drag stopped really being fun, fun because yeah. it's it is a fucking laugh riot when you can just. Be free to yeah. say and do and say, "Hey, Mister, what's your name? Uh-huh. Uh, you got some money for me? <laughs> you know, and Are just you dating, yeah, without <laughs> yes, without people wanting to take your picture and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But, I would love um, to. I will take you up on that. Room but you know anytime. what? We should do. You know what? I should get somehow get you into drag, and then um, I'll put on a, a disguise. I'll take you out somewhere. Oh, I'll put on a disguise, like a, a mask, like a surgical mask, yes. and some sort of weird hat. That's that's like all the rage now, by the way. Surgical masks out. What oh yeah, everyone's everyone's yeah. done. But I, I will I will take care of you, so you Thanks can go out and behave somewhere at night. If I could stay up past eight thirty, I'm right there with you, girl. Um, where you can go out and be be behavior, yeah. where people and I'll protect you to where people don't. Uh, you can feel safe. Because I I can make a motherfucker feel safe. Yeah, I believe I'm, that. I can do that. You you do make me feel safe. I, of course I do. I have felt safe with you since the absolutely. first moment I met you. Absolutely, truly, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, really and I pride that. myself on that. But this is something that you need to do for this next phase because it will it will indicate. That the scary parts that you that have been holding you back, and they have been holding you back. I feel it. Uh, uh, are nothing to be. It, that's past. Mm. That and th- this it, it, it's a um, a concrete, solid uh, portal mm. that you can walk through to be able to do this. And it's it's a, it's a physical, brilliant way to get to that other side. Mm. You know, I, as you're talking, and you, Michelle, have similarities in this way with the the adoption thing, is that there's a, there's a, a, I can sense in you there's a behavior of wanting to be a certain way so that you don't disappoint people, that people can't turn away from you, that there's an expectation for you to be upright and um, uh, sane and together and to not show any weakness, any show, any vulnerability so that you can't be, no no one can turn away from, no Mm. one can turn their back on you, Mm. you know, like, like they would an adopted child, Mm -hmm. which with all the intellect an adopted child has on an emotional level, there's still that fear that they're going to be given away, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes complete sense. That's yeah. True. You know, so, uh, I, I, that's why I think, um, walking through these fears is the first step toward getting to that, uh, getting to that other side. You know? you, go, you gonna make me cry right here and now, Rue. The fact I can't tell you what a, what a blessing and a gift it is, um, to be known that I'm seen so clearly and still loved. It means a lot. Well, you always have been. The only person who didn't know that was you. You know, um, we can all see how how lovely, how lovely 
you are. Everyone can. You, Everyone can. I would adopt you all over again. <laughs> oh, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So um, how much time do we have, mister? Bitch, we've been done for about an hour. <laughs> uh, uh, well, our producer has is, is got tears in his eyes. We're he's, all here he's a very, our producers are very sensitive. He man. is very such a sensitive. sweet guy. He's a very sensitive yeah. man. He won't like to admit yeah. it, but no, he is. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I never wanted to have kids. Too sensitive? Well, no, because all my I fucking would, do are cry all the time. I would, I just, I would fall in love with them too much, and I, um, yeah, the emotional thing. I, they would, um, yeah, they would just make me. I would, yeah, I wouldn't want to have to go there all the time to that place. I don't. You don't. <laughs> they do, and I'm there for them. Yeah, I think that's what Lola's point was. Is like, I'm their rock. Dad yeah. is their emotional. You know, thing, and they come to me with everything, mm. but they know that I'm going to be solid. They yeah. know that I'm not going to crumble. Although I did have one loss of all, like I just came out when Lily was going through her darkest days, and there was a day where she didn't want to live anymore, mm. and that was when I looked at her and I was crying and was begging her to promise me that if she was feeling that way and was going to do something that. She had to tell me. She had, you know, it was just, mm -hmm. it was, this was desperation. Mm. And I think she was so shocked to see me crying mm. and see tears streaming down mm -hmm. my face mm -hmm. that she knew that I was that serious. And we made a pact with each other that day mm -hmm. that if, if she ever got to that point again, mm -hmm. she would, she promised to tell me. And I believed her. Good. So in that moment, that was like the last time I think I had a really good, like, well, help there's, me. There's that famous uh, gif of you crying with uh, <laughs> yep. Roxy. Because, again, what was it about? It was about being left behind. Abandoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, kids. Well, we've come to the end of another podcast. Hopefully, if the listener, hopefully somebody out there has got Are y'all still with us? I hope so. Still with us? You know, it's, it is about gathering information and, and learning. We're all looking for the instruction book to life and hopefully through some of our experiences you can you can get some uh some some of those tools to to navigate this thing this life is not easy mm. it's not easy it's even if you enough. do nothing even if you stay in calgary or <laughs> Calgary or wherever the hell you're from Cal yeah it's not easy no. it is not if show and business you're not alone. or no show business drag no. or no drag it's just hard you need tools to navigate this thing and uh and the tools are there it's they're not new they're not new it's not oh. reinventing the wheel it's not rocket science age old universal they're, truth it's age old but you have to, but it does take courage yeah you do need to be courage because you're going to see parts of yourself that um uh may scare you mm -hmm. uh that may uh, uh frighten you and all those things but it's it's all good it's all good. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jeffrey Boyer. We love Catman. you. We Thank love you, you so I love much. You both so much too. Thank oh my god! I have me. a feeling in drag you're going to be such a. Oh, whore. I can't oh, wait. I can't Just wait. So I cannot wait. She's a slut. Break out the lube, lady. Yes. 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 Tons, yes exactly. <laughs> That's what you meant. Yes. Because they come in your size. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Michelle, my darling. Yes, baby. We're going to get you to cry. No. I love you until love next you time. Bye. Bye. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Hey, hey.